0: Welcome to Small Business Talk, episode 134. Today, my guest is Stacey Highland from Stacey Highland. We've had a few that are self-branded, so got to remember to say it slowly. And our topic today is add a zero to your bottom line without the hustle. So welcome,
1: Stacey. Thank you, Cathy. I'm excited to be here.
0: Excellent. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how we can actually add that zero and definitely no hustle?
1: Sure. Well, I'm a business coach, marketing strategist, and author. And I've been coaching now for 20 years, like yourself, we've both been in this business a long time of helping businesses grow. And so what happened was, is that I've helped clients go from zero to six figures, six to seven figures. And I've even helped a bunch of clients go from six to eight figures in their businesses. And so I started looking at what are the steps that it's going to take to get there? And that's how I really broke down this process so that we can look at each business, what they need to do to get there.
0: Fantastic. So it doesn't really matter what stage you're at. Most people are looking to grow. So what is the first thing that you would suggest for people that want to add an extra zero to wherever they are currently?
1: Well, the first thing is mindset. So I come from a background. I worked with Tony Robbins. I was vice president of consulting with Tony Robbins Business Mastery brand. And so I know that no matter what you're doing in your business, you have to make sure that you have what's going on between your ears in the right space first. And the first thing is deciding that you want to grow. And then deciding you want to grow without doing it in a way that's detrimental to yourself, your health, your family, that when you get to your 80s and you're looking back at your life, you're saying, okay, what did I do and how did I do it? Making that decision. And then really, a lot of times what I'll find that I have to work on with my clients is their money mindset. What happens is, say, for example, you were a salesperson and your goal is $10,000 a month. By the fifth of the month, you hit $10,000. What happens is just like a cruise control on the car, we slow ourselves down and say, oh, we already hit 10,000. We're good because we have that set in our brain subconsciously. But if you were a salesperson that had a $10,000 mindset and you got to the 28th or 29th of the month and you hadn't hit it, then all of a sudden you're going to push on the gas. So what we need to do is really up-level that money mindset. So if you're at 10000 a month or if you're at 30000 a month, that you're like, okay, how am I going to up-level myself so that I'm at that next level that I want to get to in terms of income?
0: And I think that's so important because we get very comfortable in things that we're doing and the way we're doing it. And then we go, well, we're not growing. We're still getting that same amount every month. Why is that? And I think that's a
1: very good thing to be discussing. Yes. If you think of it like that cruise control in the car, it makes you realize it's just like when you go up a hill, the gas goes on. When you go down the hill, the, the brakes go on. And we do the same thing subconsciously that we end up flatlining. So what I would suggest that people do is look at how much they've earned in the last six months. So take the last six months, add it up and then divide it by six so that you get an average. So you're going to see where you're hovering for that spot. And that way you can then choose a new goal and say, make it 20% higher, or 30% higher so that you have a new thing to get to that feels a little scary because it's a little bit bigger than what you're doing, but it still feels attainable for yourself as well.
0: Yes. And I think that's a valid point is making sure that it is a stretch goal, but it's not that unrealistic that you couldn't get it because then, of course, you're putting all sorts of negative mindset, which then you have to work on that as well. So if you're not stretching yourself, then obviously you're not going to reach it. And if you do have a really good month and you have hit it by, say, the 10th, then readjust it and push it higher
1: that's another part of the mindset is to start to pay attention to your money, to your revenue, what's coming in. Because a lot of people, depending on the area that they're at in their business, they don't pay attention to that. They're head in the sand. They don't want to look at the numbers. But by saying, okay, I'm a business owner, not a hobby person. I want to make this amount of money. And then looking at, okay, how many sales do I need to make per month, per week, per day in order to hit that revenue goal?
0: Yes. And how many people do I need to actually talk to? Picking up the phone and actually ringing people is a breath of fresh air these days.
1: Yes, it is. I think people are connecting at a deeper level now than they ever have because now people have something to talk about besides the weather that they'll say, you know, how are you doing? Is everybody in your family healthy? How's your office been impacted? How's your team? All of those things that you get to have a more real conversation People are sharing things like, oh, my kids have been really scared to go back to school or my mom has been sick or something like that, that they wouldn't necessarily have shared before this whole pandemic started.
0: Yes, and also letting people into their homes a lot more because, of course, now we're all working from our homes and we do have children in the background and animals and all of that sort of thing. So the polished perfect persona that we were trying to portray now is not quite so polished perfect and we're getting much more real and much more involved in community. So that also can, of course, help with that connection and help for your business to grow.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's funny because I had a call this morning with a gentleman who was in a tiki hut on the beach, because his wife has an immune system problem. So he's like, I'm trying to be outside as much as possible. And I had my daughter come in and my dog come in. People are like, oh, what kind of dog is that? And then more conversation happened.
0: Yes, absolutely. And it's no longer a and smash. It's okay that the dog and the daughter came in. That's fine. We'll, we'll just work around it. Whereas before exactly. it was, oh, you can't possibly do that. And as we're not on video, I've done a a very surprised expression on my face. Yes, it's certainly changed our world in some very good ways and unfortunately, some not so good ways. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about how to grow your business. So we're looking at our mindset. We're pushing our stretch goals. What else do you suggest we do?
1: There's seven steps. So the next thing we do is we look at what your hidden profits are. So I have a book coming out in North American fall here spring that is on how to find your hidden profits, hidden profits, more clients and cash. And so those are the things that they're in your business right there in front of you. It's almost like. If you ever seen a makeover show and they bring out this person and they're all bushy hair and they just aren't wearing the right outfit for their body type or anything. And I would not be able to look at that person and say what you need to do. But the people on the makeover show are like, oh, that person needs bangs or that person needs this kind of jean or whatever to wear. And that's what I'm able to do with my client's businesses is to look at them and say, okay, what if we tweaked this that would help you increase sales? And what if we in- tweak this? And so they're all strategies to help you increase your sales without doing any more marketing or advertising. And the reason how this came about is back in the last recession, I was working with Tony Robbins and we were at his Very first business mastery event. And this guy stood up and he said, Tony, I've tried everything. Nothing works. And you can imagine Tony Robbins having somebody say, I've tried everything and nothing works. Like his head was practically spinning. And he said, really? Well, tell me what you've tried. So the guy said, well, I've tried this, this, and this. And Tony said, okay, well, you've tried... Three things when you told me you've tried everything, you must have tried a lot of times. How many times did you try those three things? And he said, Well, I tried a few times, but then I ran out. I didn't have the team. I didn't have the money. These things weren't working for him. And so Tony asked him a question. He said, So you didn't have the resources to get the result that you wanted? And the guy said, Yes. He said, Well, have you ever seen somebody that has come to this country with less than you that has become more successful than you? And the guy said, yeah, you you see in the magazines, Entrepreneur Magazine or Success Magazine, these stories of people that have come with $300 to their name. They don't speak English, their first language. They don't have a credit history. They don't have the old boys club from their university to rely on. And they're able to be really successful. So Tony said, what you're telling me is it's not resources. It's a matter of resourcefulness. And so when I heard that, I was like, that's what I need to do for my clients is help them become more resourceful with those hidden profits they have in their business, as opposed to trying the latest social media strategy. Like back then it might've been Periscope, which now I just deleted it off my phone this week. My daughter was like, do you need this app? Do you need this app? And I'm like, no, I don't need that. But what happens is every time there's something new that happens business owners think it's a magic bullet or magic pill that's going to solve their business problem. Whereas you have things that you can do right now in your business that would help you make more money. I'll give you an example. One of my clients was a weight loss coach, naturopath, and she took my hidden profits program and it was in the month of December. So in December in North America, it's winter. Nobody wants to lose weight. We're not putting on our bathing suits like you guys are in Australia. And what happened is I said, you know, I'm not sure about doing this strategy because people are not really looking to lose weight in December. They want to eat grandma's cookies and do all the things and wait till January 2nd to start their weight loss goal. And she said, well, I just need some cash flow boost. So I'm going to try it. And the strategy is called the come on back strategy. So what we did is we took a list of her past clients that were good clients for her. And we created an offer and said, hey, it's been a while since we've worked together. I know sometimes people slip back on their health goals. I have this special program for returning clients. And she boosted her sales in, I think it was $2,500 in one week. And that was huge for her in her slowest month of the year. So simple things that you can do. So anybody listening, any time of the year, any industry, go back to your clients make them an offer to come back and do business with you again, because it really works. And it's one of those things that you just don't think about doing that can make you a lot of money very quickly.
0: Yes, that's great advice. And it all boils down to assumption as well, because you assume that your product is not needed in December. So we would assume that it's not needed in June here, which of course is our winter. But if you've got a wedding coming up, or you've got a big birthday party, or it's just you've got holiday time. So you want to make sure that you are looking good. And you can look good any day, even if it's not in a bathing suit. So I think that's a great reminder.
1: I think it's funny because I think what you're saying is interesting is that we're assuming and I think when we assume, I don't know if you know what they say that means, but when we assume we're putting ourselves in our clients' shoes and we're not in their shoes. So we don't know. They could have just tried on their jeans yesterday and been like, oh crap, these don't fit me or whatever it was that caused them to say, you know what, today's the day. Or it could just be that you make them a really good offer and they're like, yeah, I want to do it.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And yes, I do know that saying that assuming it makes a ass out of you and me. So yes, definitely we need to be and not just our clients. making that assumption that we know best because we've been doing it 20 years because as you would know as well, Stacey, we learn something new every day and it doesn't necessarily have to be a shiny object. It's just a case of looking at the, the way we're doing business. Another fantastic way to look at bringing those expenses down is to go back and look at all those shiny objects that you have bought over the years and are still paying for because a lot of them are recurring subscriptions. And if you don't actually press the button to say stop, They will still keep charging you.
1: Okay, so that's step number two. Step number number three three. is to identify your perfect clients. So a lot of times what happens is we get sucked into that 80%. So Pareto's principle is that 20% of something makes up for 80%. So 20% of your clients, if you were to pull your books or your stripe or whatever, 20% of your clients are probably making up for 80% of your revenue. And what happens is most people focus on the 80% that are only making up for 20% of their revenue which means they're dealing with customer service headaches. They're dealing with people that are sucking their energy, sucking their time, their resources, their team. So when you start looking at who are the perfect clients that I work with that get results with me, that absolutely love me, that I love working with them. And when you start focusing on those clients and create your marketing around those clients, the revenues go up because the perfect clients, they buy more, they buy more often. And the other really good thing about perfect clients is they refer more. That makes it even better. Now, the fourth step, which is messaging and strategic positioning comes along with the perfect client. So once you figure out who your perfect client is, then what I want you to do is I want you to look at what are the pains of that perfect client and what are the goals and wants of the perfect client. We're not saying what they need because it's just like with weight loss, you could say, oh, a gazillion people need to lose weight, but if they don't want to, that's a whole different ballgame. And so what happens is when we're dealing with B2B, they're like, oh, well, everybody needs a faster computer system or whatever it is. They have to want it. Look at what their pain is. What's keeping them up at two o'clock in the morning? What is it that's keeping them from reaching their goals. So for example, if it was a faster computer system, if you tied it to that pain of not reaching their goals because they're spending 30% more time, they're using 30% more resources because everything takes longer, then it becomes more easy for them to want to invest to buy what you have. So I'll give you an example of this messaging and strategic positioning. I have a client who's in logistics, which is a very commoditized business. You're basically looking at how can you get something from A to B for the cheapest amount possible? And so what happened was my client was competing against firms that were hundred million dollar firms, billion dollar firms that had a gazillion salespeople that could call and just say, Hey, let me send you a quote. And they were just selling on that low priced quote. So what we looked at is we looked at who were his perfect clients, what were their pains and what were their goals and wants. And what we discovered was that when his clients were delivering something, that was the last point of contact they had in the sales process. So, imagine you are a hospital and you just bought an MRI machine or a CAT scan machine, and the salesperson has spent two years, five years to try to sell this machine because it's a big ticket item. And then when you go to deliver it, it's a crap show. It doesn't come on time. They've shut down the hospital diagnostic department. They leave it in the hallway. They leave it on the dock because they don't have the right equipment. So, what we looked at is what if for the perfect clients, the strategic positioning, instead of being commoditized, let me quote you, let me quote you. What if we said, we're going to help your logistics be a value add in your sales process. When we did this, all of a sudden, now, when we were talking to people, they were like, tell me a little bit more about that. Because it was completely different. It totally blew people out of the water in terms of the commoditized message that they were used to. That's a
0: perfect example of thinking outside the box and doing it a little bit differently because yes, doing it on price is a race to the bottom and you have to have a lot of volume to be doing that. So yes, being able to add value and talk to your customer about what they actually need and although they will want things, that they, they do generally have to be looked at what they need. They say it's not a Henry Ford quote anymore, but I, I still like it. He said that if he asked his customers what they wanted, that they would have just just ask for a faster horse. Defining what the actual problem is, is the key.
1: I guess he invented the (laughs) four. Yes, that is a faster horse. Well done. (laughs) I think it's important. So play with this. The people that are listening, take out a piece of paper on one side, write the pain, one side, what they're moving towards. And it'll really help you with that messaging to to come out of the box of that. So the fifth thing is, to come up with your offer and your pricing and your packaging so that you are charging the highest price you can get in your marketplace. I see a lot of people come to me and they're charging either mid-market or they're competing on price. And when you're doing that, you're not pricing yourself as the couture brand in your market. You're not showing yourself as the best fit. And I remember when I started coaching 20 years ago, at the time, I think I was charging 350 dollars a month. And I was like, all right, the people that I was talking to thought that 350 was too expensive. And I was not getting clients that I wanted. The people that I thought would be my perfect clients weren't signing up. So what happened was, is I think people thought that I was too expensive or the people that were my perfect clients thought I wasn't expensive enough, that I wasn't any good. So I said, all right, I'm going to raise my price. And I met this gentleman at an internet marketing conference. He heard me speak and he was got on the phone with me and I was like, oh, I'm going to raise my price. I'm going to do it. And I spit out my new price, which back then 20 years ago was $500 a month. And he said, that's it. He said, wow, I thought it was going to be way more expensive than that. And it just made me think going back to the first step of the mindset, right? Of like how small I was playing. And how a perfect client saw my pricing compared to me seeing my pricing. So I help my clients be able to see that pricing through the lens of, okay, what is the value in what you offer versus what is the price that you offer? Because I think that's really important that you sell yourself first on the value that you offer before you try to sell your client. And that's the key to be able to command a higher price.
0: Absolutely. And you've got to be confident in that because if you're not confident, then the client's not going to be confident. As you say, too lower prices means that you're no good. And that's just the market perception. If you had a luxury car and somebody was selling it for $10,000, nobody would buy it. Because if it's a luxury car that's normally worth 100000 hundred $10,000, there has got to be something way wrong with it. And we do the same when we're pricing ourselves. There'd be no way that you would pay that smaller amount for a high quality coach. So
1: therefore, they can't be any good. I remember one of my very first coaches saying and I think it was a that said this that was in the land of the blind the one-eyed man is king and when he said that I was like wow that's really profound because what we don't know is that the people that we're working with for example if I can't fix something on my website like I had some weird thing that was on my website the other day and I was like why is that weird text showing up it was something in the code I couldn't figure it out I just sent it over to my team and it was done the same day with no problem, no stress, no throwing of computers. That's where the value was is because I didn't know how to do it and I was going to pull out all my hair. So what you have to think about is you knowing how to do it and which button to press is worth something the person that doesn't know how to do it.
0: Absolutely. And sometimes even if you know how to do it and it's going to take you longer, the expert can do it in a much shorter time and they've already doing it every day, all day. Whereas you haven't done it for six months, 12 months, and you've got to actually think about where it is and how to do it. I see in my other business, of course, being a web designer, I see that all the time that people spend days doing something that would take us 20 minutes.
1: Even though you know how to do it, you shouldn't. You think you might know how to do something like web design is a great example example, but there's things that the web designers do behind the scenes that you don't even know that they're doing. So when you're in web design, you're doing things that are going to help their website be seen in the search engines better. You're going to fix the wonky code. It's going to make it operate slower. For example, the speed of your website is really important. Well, if I'm Joe Schmo and I'm just trying to do my own thing, my website's probably going to be slow. It's not going to have the right search engine, the keywords put in where they need to be. But somebody that's a professional, they're going to say, okay, we need to make sure your speeds are good. We need to make sure that your tags are on your pictures on your site, like all the things that they're the little things, but they're the little things that really matter.
0: Yes. And that's what Google takes into consideration. So if you've got five websites that are very similar on the outside, it's the back end that certainly makes the difference. Okay. So we're up to number six. What is our six tip?
1: Number six is stacked marketing. And this is, I've seen it like in 20 years go from one thing to the next, but stacked marketing is not just having one thing. So for example, you know, 20 years ago, I don't remember what year it was, but I had a client who had a hundred employees and he was selling timeshares and using the telephone telemarketing overnight. They passed a law telemarketing. The do not call list was passed. And when that happened, my client had to lay off his whole team because he relied on one way of marketing. So you want to have a stacked marketing campaign that's not relying just on Facebook, not relying just on Twitter or LinkedIn. It has to be all working together and it has to be coming back to you. You want to have it stacked also stands for strategic, positioning you as the expert, targeted to your perfect client, has a call to action, right? A lot of people leave that off when they're doing their marketing. They put it out there and they're like, I don't know why I'm not getting results. Well, did you ask them to do something? Even if it's just asking them to like or share it, it gets them in the habit of responding to you is it consistent? Like the guy with Tony Robbins, he did three things a few times. Well, that's not going to get you where you want to go. Do you have KPIs that you're tracking on your marketing so that you're looking at those key performance indicators of how many people are joining your email list? How many people are booking an appointment with you? Is it educating your buyer? And then the last thing is it being distributed everywhere so that it's not just in one platform that you're relying on their algorithm that could go wonky on you at any time. So that's what stacked marketing is. And that leads me to the last thing in the adding zero without the hustle, which is optimizing your sales process because people spend a lot of effort on their marketing and then they just wing it on their sales process. And I remember I had a gentleman a few years ago that was in the solar space and he was selling solar. He was going to these trade shows and trade shows are so expensive. And he said, I'm getting all these leads in my booth. I'm spending $30,000 on the trade show, but I'm not seeing the sales. So what we looked at is every step of his sales process and how to optimize it and get the best results out of each step. So pre-show, getting people to come to his booth. At the booth, how are they collecting the leads? Pre-appointment, how are they getting the people excited to actually show up for that appointment? And then at the appointment, what they were saying, and the close, and then the follow-up. We optimized that whole thing so that instead of just winging it, he was actually bringing in a lot more sales from every lead as opposed to just letting them flounder after the trade show.
0: I really analyzed all of my clients
1: to see what were the things that made the difference. These seven things were the things you get 10% extra there, you get 20% extra there, and they start to really add up and you start to get a lot of momentum.
0: That's fabulous. And I like the fact that it's a process because a lot of people are process driven. So actually having that process, the ticks off the boxes that they can do along the way is absolutely fabulous. So if people like your strategies,
1: your ideas, Stacey, where can they find more about you? Yeah, so you can find out about me at my website, staceyhyland.com. and it's Stacy with an E Y, and Highland is H Y L E N, like Help You Leverage Everything Now.com. The other thing that might be a great place for people to start if they're looking at raising their rates, I also have a free class called raiseyourratesmasterclass.com, which is a great place that you're like, oh, if I just raised my rates, that would help me get a really quick boost of cash. That's a great place to start as well. But either place or Stacey Highland anywhere on the internet, like LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, come say hi.
0: Wonderful. And we'll drop all of those into the show notes. So at this part of the podcast, I get to ask you five questions. I am happy.
1: That sounds like fun.
0: What is the best advice given to you by a mentor?
1: One of my coaches said to me a long time ago, he said, stop wasting time in the BS funnel and focus on your marketing funnel.
0: Lovely. What is the biggest help you've received since starting your business?
1: I would say in masterminds. I think there's a real power in the mastermind. I run masterminds myself, but I am a big believer in investing in it for myself. And it's not any one person. It's the collective of the mastermind, the energy of it. Plus also people are just giving you one little thing that helps. And then another little thing that helps. They just all add up and create really amazing synchronicity and things happening.
0: Yes. And energy and learning from their mistakes and Sometimes things that are not in your industry can work really well in your industry because it is thinking outside the box. So, yes, and remember that sometimes you outgrow masterminds, so you need to look for new ones. And as we started at the beginning of the podcast about stretching yourself, what is the one thing you need to do every day, your non-negotiable?
1: I have a new supplement routine that I do for the last few months. It's three steps I do in the morning, and it's made the hugest difference on my energy. And it's really helping me with my health and my energy. And I would also say gratitude. So the two go hand in hand together when I wake up in the morning. Lovely. What is your favorite business
0: book and why?
1: All right, then I'll give you two. So I really love The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. Chet Holmes was a mentor of mine. He was also business partners with Tony Robbins in Business Mastery. It's absolutely amazing in how to do educational marketing, his whole 12 steps to grow a business, but also the Dream 100 concept in there of how to get more of your perfect clients is it's mind changing. And then I would say, it's not necessarily a business book, but I use it for business, is Affirmations by Noah St. John. Instead of saying, I am successful every day and you don't believe it, he's saying to frame it in the form of a question, say, why am I so successful? And then your brain is going to fill in the blanks. Your brain is going to say, well, you're successful because you always try your best because you're giving to people. Your brain fills in all of the things which makes them work even better. So I love that book. Excellent. And they're
0: two new ones. So we've had lots of different ones and not either of those. Yeah, they're awesome. And your very last one is what do you wish you had known when you started out? Well, I say
1: it all the time at the end of my podcast is don't just learn, implement. And I think one of the things that I made a mistake as I was, I was young when I started my business 20 years ago is that I learned so many things, but I would bring them to my clients. I would be like, here's this internet marketing strategy. Here's this strategy, but I wouldn't implement them myself for my own business, which I wish I would have been doing that for myself instead of being the shoemaker without the shoe. Don't just learn, (laughs) implement, learn from my mistake.
0: Yes. And I think we've all been guilty of that, haven't we? Sometimes I actually go back and listen to my podcast because I need the message that I haven't been implementing. So I think that's that's a great thing to do.
1: Listen to your own
0: advice. That's good. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Well, thank you very much, Stacey. Appreciate your time and your words of wisdom. And like I said, we'll drop all of that in the show notes so that people can chase you up and hopefully find out more about you. Thanks, Kathy. It was fantastic being here with you and your listeners excellent thank you bye don't forget to subscribe to small business talk podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash downloads for all the show notes and links to this episode remember to be great you must start pick one tip from today's episode take action and implement it Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action. And SBT community, enjoy your journey.